Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 31 Exploring Ladakh, 21st to the 24th of October 1977, India. We were up at 5 30, dressed and packed, and away by six, as were John Luke and Martine, to go on a daredevil adventure together, when an early morning start was to our advantage. It was still dark as we drove in convoy, taking the road north out of Leh. We passed by big signs written in English, tourists to report to the police. Do not drive one mile north of Ley. But there was also another sign along the road to the highest point of the highest road in the world. For Alec, who had stood at the South Pole in Antarctica, this was a priceless opportunity not to be missed. The road climbed steadily up and up and the scenery became more spectacular the higher we went. Giant snow-capped mountains surrounded us. I felt the jitters as we went past a public works camp as quickly as we could in our Land Rovers. The loud engines were full-on steadily ascending the mountain road. Wisps of grey smoke puffed out of the tent chimneys, but no one stirred, and my jitters fluttered away. Fifteen miles from Ley stood another sign, no visitors beyond this point. The barrier bar was raised high in the air and the guard was sound asleep in a small khaki tent beside the road. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, so he pushed on, aiming to be as far away from the military post as fast as we could before anyone was alerted. The switchback road with its hairpin bends enabled us to gain height rapidly until after another ten miles we reached our destination. Our Land Rover had exerted itself to the full, burning a gallon of petrol every seven miles of the steady ascent. We proudly took photos of the Land Rovers and ourselves at the formidable mountain site. Behind us was a giant sign declaring that we were at the highest point of the world's highest road, 18,380 feet. The panoramic vista of majestic mountain peaks, ridges and steep descents took our breath away in more ways than one. Being 6,000 feet higher in such a short time since leaving the town, our oxygen levels were severely depleted and we all felt quite heady, thus we moved about slowly. To celebrate the significant moment, we ate our breakfast with a highly elevated cup of tea. Four public works department lorries came by and continued onwards along the road that led to the border with China. It was tempting to drive on to see what else there was to discover, but wisdom prevailed. We knew it was indeed forbidden territory. Reluctantly, we began the descent to Lei. On reaching the military post, the barrier was down and the armed soldier was now fully alert and on duty. Where are you going? he demanded. 
To lie, Alec replied. Didn't you see the sign? This is military zone. Better to act dumb, Alec thought as he shrugged his shoulders. The guard raised the barrier and waved us on. A shrewd decision not to call his officer, knowing that it was he who had slumbered when we'd passed by at dawn. Back in Ley, we made straight for the tea house and sampled the samosas, triangular deep-fried pastries filled with yummy potatoes and curried bean sauce. Later on that day, we all four went to explore further in the Ladakh region, heading south along a wide valley. There were many attractive villages and herds of ponies grazed on sodden grass. Built at strategic points along the valley were a great number of stupas, Buddhist shrines shaped like solid mounds or domes. Twenty-five miles from Leh, we came to another barrier across the road. The military policeman had us write down the details of our Land Rovers and passports in the official records book. We were surprised to see a young European woman walk out of a tea house near to the military checkpoint. Hello, any chance of a ride to Hemisgompa? she asked. It turned out that she'd been living in that village for the past year. Jean-Luc and Martine welcomed her into their Land Rover whilst we carried her groceries and fresh vegetables in ours. Not a bad idea to give a ride to someone going to where you want to go when you are a stranger and the signs are few and far between. We branched off the main road and crossed a bridge. Then we followed the route into a small valley, climbing steadily as we passed more stupas, which were connected by stone walls. We reached the village by Hemisgompa which was built on the side of the hill. Men and women were laying a cobblestone road and the women sang as they worked. We drove as far as we could and then parked on a level clearing. The young woman disappeared with her shopping into the labyrinth of village pathways between the substantially built houses. On our visit to Hemisgompa, the biggest Buddhist monastery in Ladakh, we found it to be an impressive building, both in structure and detail. There were many colourful wall paintings depicting Buddha. A huge golden Buddha statue was on show and prayer wheels, small and large, were set into alcoves in the walls. We climbed right up to the flat roof of the building and saw men, women and children carrying grey soil in baskets on their backs to other men who were renovating the monastery. In next to no time, dusk had fallen, so we returned to our vehicles and drove away from the village to find a suitable private place to camp for the night. The following day, we had the opportunity to venture beyond Hemiscompa when we walked for an hour along a rocky dirt track. It led us deeper into the valley and higher up the mountainside to a small, hidden monastery built into the rock face. The climb was tiring due to the altitude, but well worth the effort for the welcome that we received from the middle-aged Lama, the Buddhist monk who lived there. He invited us to sit on his balcony beside a pile of onions. In the corner, dried dung was stashed away, waiting to be used for his fire. Golden marigolds, blue cornflowers and pink stocks grew strongly in tin boxes alongside the wall of his home, adding vibrant colour to the otherwise grey backdrop. In his generous spirit, the Lama served us rancid salted butter tea.
a drink favoured locally and so suited to the cold and tough environment. The tea tasted strange to our western palates, but the butter moistened our lips. Our tummies warmed, we were then invited into the monastery. After removing our shoes, we entered a cold room with a wooden floor. Colourful fabric was fitted from floor to ceiling covering the mud walls. It was fixed in place with a painted wooden trim. Buddha statues and photos of lamas were displayed around the room. Several glass cabinets were set against the walls, providing storage for the many books piled deep on every shelf. The books were in fact made up of four to five inch wide strips of handmade paper which were inscribed with printed religious script. A collection of these paper strips were bound in leather and kept between two flat pieces of wood. The Lama beckoned us to follow him outside, down a few steps and around several corners, until we reached a second room, with a similar layout to the first. In the central glass case was a four-foot-high sitting golden Buddha statue. We were in the printing room. I noticed a cupboard that stored many wooden blocks, with the script carved out in reverse. The Lama proceeded to give us a demonstration of how a print was made. He sat on a rug with a wooden block in front of him on which he placed a carved wooden slab. Taking a metal dish containing soot, he mixed in a little water and poured some onto a flat rock. He rubbed it with a shoe brush and stroked the sooty water onto the carved wood, then pressed a piece of rice paper onto the blackened carved wood slab and the print was made. We bought a copy each an authentic souvenir. From there, the Lama directed us to the nearby house where he banged a stone on a rock to gain attention. An elderly barefooted man with a wispy beard invited us in to see his shrine. First, we walked through his dwelling where the walls were adorned with several tankers, cloth scrolls painted with Buddhist themes. This led into a cave with rock paintings and five statues Money and coins were stuck to the rock face. After a fascinating morning, we took the easy climb down the mountain to reach the Land Rovers by noon and returned to Ley in time to explore the handicrafts again. I really wanted to buy an Alexandrite stone for a ring and managed to find a beauty for just 20 rupees. The drive from Ley to Srinagar took three days. There had been significant snowfall on the higher passes, making the task a greater challenge. We stopped en route at the Lamai-Uru Monastery, located in a village that clung to the side of a mountain. It was a real spectacle to see the monastery in full action. We were invited in by the cheerful lamas to see the bright paintings on the walls in the entrance hall of the monastery. Incredible images of their gods were depicted. Inside the building, the pillars and the wood beam ceiling were all colourfully painted with geometric designs. Statues of gods stood at the far end of the room. Long, narrow carpets partly covered the floor. We were welcomed further into the heart of the monastery to a prayer shrine. Four men, from young to old, clothed in flowing orange fabric, sat cross-legged on carpets each with a traditional loose-leaf book open before him. 
They read and chanted prayers to the beating of a drum and the sound of ringing bells, creating an eerie atmosphere. Total distance driven, 27,747 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.